show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, the zone live at RGS Exteriors and Construction. We want to remind you about our friends at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Check out their bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. What's going on today? We're going to do a little jazz sound. We might, even, we'll, we might get to uh, uh, some clips from DJ and PK and Hanson Scotty, but we're going to start off with Joseph W. Ingalls. <laughs> Is it W? I have no idea. I don't even know if it's Joseph. It could be plain Joe. <laughs> you know, I've never asked that question. I'm sure we could Google it and find out what the answer so. uh, what the answer is. But uh, Joe Ingles made available after practice today. Let's go ahead and hear that availability. Austin? Hey, Madison, Madeline, you're quick. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I was Bye. just talking to you like eight seconds ago out there. <laughs> I ran. All righty. We're going to go ahead and uh, get started here. So our first question will be from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Joe, um, I'm wondering if you think back to last season when you guys were heading into the playoffs, do you think that that team was ready for a title run? And then in comparison, what is different about the team this year? Um, I think, I mean, the thing that comes to mind when you kind of first ask that, I think the thing that stands out is just the health of our team. Last year, we were obviously beat up a little bit throughout the year. Um, someone's getting uh, beat up by their child in the middle of, uh, um, uh, yeah, like the, the health of that and kind of like, I, not, I don't want to say disruptions because it was like Mike having a child, which isn't a disruption. It's an amazing thing, but obviously like him, him leaving for that, um, boy arm was injured. Um, so it, it was just, it was just different. I, I wouldn't say that we weren't ready or prepared or anything like that. I think if, we were healthy. I mean, we were still up three one. Like it's not. We we still had a a good lead. We were playing some good basketball um, up until it was three three or three two or like whatever the the thing was. Um, I think this year, obviously being together for longer um, as a, as a group and and playing. I've said it before. Like kind of playing how we envisioned playing last year a little bit. Uh, we didn't really get to to do that with the, the injuries and guys in and out and, and all that. So um, last year is last year. Uh, I know mentally and, and physically, I think we're ready this year. Um, we, like I said, we, we, we've embraced and, and probably kind of taken off a little bit on the way we've, we've wanted to play and, and really taken off with the style and the, um, the, the threes and, and playing defense and, and kind of doing what we, we always kind of thought this, this group could do. Um, so it's obviously it's exciting, but, um, we've kind of, I guess, like kind of ticked off the box of, of playing the regular season now, and now it's onto the, the playoffs. So we've got to, um, almost like refocus and, and the regular season was great and it was cool to get that many wins or whatever, but that's over with now. It doesn't really mean too much now except home court. And, um, it's time to focus on, um, whoever we're going to get on Friday. All right, next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, what's it kind of like having a week off between the end of the regular season and between, you know, your first game of, of the first round series? Obviously, on the one hand, it's I, I imagine it's great getting rest and, and kind of getting a chance to, you know, recover from whatever lingering, lingering injuries. But 
Is there also kind of a, any concern about, you know, rust accumulating during that time about, about coming back, you know, a little less precise maybe? Um, are you rusty or unprecise after a week off with your writing? I'm always rusty and imprecise with my writing. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think uh, I know I don't want to speak on other players. I know I was excited for a couple of days off. Um, playing point guard for three weeks is uh, is not it. <laughs> um, with uh, All of a sudden in the NBA, everyone decided to full court pressure, which I've never seen in seven years. And all of a sudden they decided to pressure for for three weeks. Um, I think, I think it was good for our group. I think not even just physically, but, but mentally as well, just to kind of step away for obviously you guys know, we spend basically every day together uh, more or less, even probably more this year with the scheduling, how tight kind of games were together and a couple of longer road trips and stuff like that. So um, mentally great to, to kind of get away and have 48 hours um, kind of too. So I, I got this, put my kids to bed and get them up and, and actually enjoy um, their time. Miller said to me yesterday, you're not going to basketball again. And I was like, I am not going again. So for having kind of two days was, was nice, but it was also like really refreshing to come back in today and um, get some work in. And, and like I said, kind of flick to the, the playoff mode of, of obviously we don't know who we're playing, but just the kind of more concentrating on our team and, and what we want to do. So um Russ, not like, no, uh, I think we'll be fine. I think we, um, as you guys know, with our healthcare guys and our coaching staff, we've got, I believe the best in the league in both of those. And um, they'll, they'll have us ready and kind of raring to go for, um, for Sunday night, I think it is, or sun, Sunday at some time. All right. Next up, Dana Green, ABC4. Hey, Joe, um, we haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, but can you give us an insight maybe into Donovan's frame of mind of how excited he is of coming back? Or do you have, is it impossible to get inside Donovan's mind? It's impossible to get inside Donovan's mind. <laughs> but what is it like to have him back ready, <laughs> ready to, uh, or just after missing so long to get him back uh, into the rotation with you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's great to, to, to be around him. Obviously, he didn't, he didn't come on those trips. So um, it's kind of weird, really. Like, I've played with him for however many years, and, and obviously it was the first time kind of not having him on trips and the bus or, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's been, been great to see him again, and obviously we're excited to, to have him back. And, and whenever, whenever he's healthy, we'll, we'll obviously have him back. That's not a question for me to answer. So um, he looks great. He looks like a beautiful young man. <laughs> All right. And uh, our last question is going to be Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, I think it's fair to say last year, the biggest problem was defensively, you know, just, it's, I guess, except for game seven, but before that, just, it was problem stopping Denver. What's different about this year defensively on that end of the floor that, you know, gives you the belief that you guys can, can defend better than you did last year? Um, I mean, I, I think a bit of a, a part of that is like, a, like I was saying, kind of the in and out of God, like it's, it was a, I don't want to say it was like, you know, it was a disruptive year in terms of like, we were all getting comfortable with each other. We had guys in and out and then we obviously like lost Mike with his baby and Boyan had surgery and like all those things combined. Um, I think Juwan started a couple games in there in the playoffs or right before that. So it was just a, it was, a, he probably didn't envision that at the, 
start of the year or halfway through the year that he'd be starting in, in the second round of the playoffs um, or first round of the playoffs, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think just obviously we, 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 we knew and know that we are a good defensive team and, and locking in on that is something that um, I think you can, I don't want to say you like can get relaxed with it, but you can like a lot of the NBA is focused on like offense. Everyone talks about offense. Everyone, this guy scored this, this guy's shooting this. It's like, there's a, we've kind of always known that our identity has been defense. When you've got Rudy and Fave, like it's be stupid not to be focusing on those things. Um, and then you add like Royce, like Mike, all our guys have, I think have probably just kind of, I don't want to say we weren't focused on last year, but a bit more locked in on like what we wanted to achieve and maybe losing like three, one is a, the kick in the stomach that you need to like, all right, if we want to be the team, we want to be that we, envisioned like I said on the offensive end we also had a identity defensively that um I wouldn't wouldn't say we lost it but we we're probably a bit more inconsistent with it last year um well like I, said, I think this year we were a bit more locked in. You know, it was every game we were focused on what the game plan was we wanted to win every game possible we were we were trying to do that um it was a disrupted year obviously with the COVID and the, the rules and the testing and all that and I think it just put an emphasis on like making sure we test at the right time, making sure we're testing on the right time to get treatment in the right time and then get your shots up. And so a lot more went on mentally this year than, than other things. So I think that kind of tags onto the end of like, all right, well now we've done shoot around. We're going home. Like, all right, what's the game? This is a game plan. This is what we're doing. It just was a constant um, kind of theme of like us kind of compete in everything we were doing, whether it would be, wearing a mask on the plane when you like, when like you obviously forget the mask, like every, just competing on every level of everything this year. And I think we did a, I think we, we proved we did a, a good job of that with, with everything that went on and, and how we played, but um, kind of like I said too, it's, it's back to square one. Now where the record doesn't matter any of that. It's back to square one. We've got to be the best defensive team now through the playoffs, which uh, we, we can do if we're, we're locked in on it. There you go. Joe Ingles, his thoughts after practice today. Gordon? We talked a little bit about this yesterday off of the Chris Mannix piece, but the, the whole idea of Joe talking about this being kind of an, uh, an improved team uh, through experience off of what happened a year ago and that they've been determined this year to be better and to do better and, as he said, to win every game that they possibly could. I'm not supposing that they didn't try to win every game last year, but – it, it does seem renewed uh, with uh, with this iteration of the Jazz. And that's important because they fully intend to do something this year that they could not do last year, and that is blow past that first round. And that's going to be uh, – it's going to hinge on defense. I, I've been saying it all year long, and I continue to, to believe it. And I've got this theory, Gordon, I've run, run it by you before, but that sometimes playing defense with Rudy Gobert behind you can form some bad habits mm-hmm. because he cleans up a lot of messes. You don't end up looking bad because Rudy comes over and saves the day. Um, and the, the Jazz need to dial in on everybody playing their best in addition to what Rudy does, and they'll – They'll be able to make that run. Uh, the, did, you wrote it in yesterday's your column yesterday, right? That the defense was the issue last year against Denver. That's I wholeheartedly agree with that. Well, the, here's the thing: the Jazz individually are not a great defense. They're small. That's right, and they have Rudy Gobert. 
So that makes them a much improved defense. But but there is a way. So they're not great individual defenders except for Rudy. Uh, you know, Royce is is kind of okay, uh, uh, better than okay, but but not great. Uh, even though he is spoken of as a stopper, I don't really see him as a stopper. But but that's why Quinn talks so much about communication, doing it together. They can't do it individually. They have to do it together, and they can do it together. And when they do do it together, then it works, and then it triggers the offense, and they get into transition, and they start tearing teams apart when that happens it starts with the stop you know we could we can <laughs> that's nice i like that. we can argue about the chicken and the egg you know what comes first people say you're playing well on offense you play well on defense i think for the jazz i think it starts with the defense yep, i think I it agree. starts with getting that stop and and just what you said right there i think you're you're bang on to steal one of your terms uh, that uh, the transition has been a real difference from them, and that's they get that stop or get that rebound. It's not a turnover with the Jazz because they're not a forced turnover team, but they're not a foul team either. Yeah. So it's get that stop and then get things moving. And get things moving the, and take that early shot yep. if it's there, and and that is really tears the guts out of opponents at times. You and I had a, a few discussions before the season began whether or not there would be enough shots to go around with everybody playing. Because we didn't really know because Mike Conley was so in and out and Bogdanovich wasn't there for the playoffs and, and was that going to work? And the, the answer to the question is, yes, there's going to be enough shots and those shots are going to come from the transition because you're going to have more opportunities. So it's not necessarily going to take a bite out of somebody. They're just going to be more shots to be had. Right. And like uh, we, we, I mean, Chris Mannix wrote in his story in SI about, uh, about the Jazz, what Donovan said, nobody ever gets mad when guys are shooting in a, in a hurry. Yeah. And that, it's, that's, that that's part of the culture, that that's what they want to have happen, even if those shots are missed. Yep, yep. Well, that stood out to me as well. I think you're right on. All right, should we transition to football? Should we, sure. should we hear from our, our friends David and Pat in the morning? Here's DJ and PK. Uh, they had Pete Futek on from collegefootballnews.com. So, the Pac-12 has a new commissioner, and uh, you wrote uh, something at College Football News, kind of looking ahead, multiple things that they need to do and then they need to work on and the conference office to Vegas, and Vegas is going to become to the Pac-12, what Atlanta is to the SEC. So you go through a lot of these things, but then you get to conference expansion, you throw 10 teams out, and you know you're going to get a call from Salt Lake City Radio when you write this, don't you, Pete? You did it on purpose. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, that's part of the deal. But the whole point of the article is like, if now that you've got this guy in George Klyukov who's going to be progressive in the way he's going to want to attack TV deals, uh, making the Pac-12 a bigger deal, the whole point of the article was like, all right, on day five, after he gets everything settled in and they sit down and say, okay, how do we make this thing bigger? He's kind of alluding to the idea of, opening up expansion talk. And so the idea is, okay, if you're in that room and you're talking about expansion, where do you look to do this? And these are the teams that, and the schools that they should be talking about. So you have BYU, and BYU brings a lot to the table, but Utah's already in the media market. There's the different philosophies, BYU being a church school, Sunday play, some other political issues, whatever they might be, could be an impediment. But I always thought, and I agree with you, and the thing that you say is that you know you don't think it's going to happen, but a scheduling agreement, because we see that Notre Dame has one with the ACC, 
And Notre Dame doesn't really need one, but they, they have one. Whereas BYU, if they can get a scheduling agreement with the Pac-12, because it's sort of de facto as it is, and I would love to see for BYU going forward four games every year against the Pac-12, four games every year against the Mountain West, and then they can figure out the other four. What do you think the uh, reality of that being that they can actually get a scheduling agreement literally playing three or four schools with the Pac-12 every year that has to be happened because the contract says it? Yeah, I don't know if you need the contract necessarily, but the very least, like you said, they can have sort of the Notre Dame, and I keep calling it the friends with benefits deal with, uh, where you're in, but you're kind of not. You you know you can go play other teams, but you really are kind of an ACC team if you're Notre Dame, and you're at least thought of in that group. And it, it's not just the, this whole story when you talk about expansion and contracts isn't just about sports. It's about the affiliation. It's about, you know, just being a part of something big. And obviously, you know, Notre Dame is is right there in Big Ten country. And, you know, the Big Ten schools are generally stronger for the most part than the ACC schools up and down. Uh, But still, the ACC is obviously a very good academic conference. It's obviously got a whole lot of uh, prestige in a whole lot of ways. And so just that kind of affiliation that shows that, yeah, Notre Dame is at that level of overall affiliation, even if Notre Dame's probably right there with Duke as the best academic university in the, in the ACC mix. Same thing for BYU. You know, BYU, from a, um, a business standpoint, makes perfect sense for the Pac-12. You know, you have a humongous international fan base. You have a, an energy that's there. <coughs> Excuse me, I tickled my throat. And you've got this. Uh, what, what they are really are missing across the board, which are fans. You know, it's it's kind of lost in this whole thing with the Pac-12. Why isn't the Pac-12 making the gobs of money that other places are? It's because they don't get the butts in the seats. It's you know you don't get hundred you don't have the hundred thousand sta- you know seat stadiums uh, packed like you have in the Big Ten and, and the SEC. You don't have you know your your one of your flagship. Uh, programs is Oregon and if you look at you know who are the top 20 programs in the country and certainly Oregon's up there you know it has almost uh, half just barely over half as many fans in their stands because often so small compared to the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world so uh, you've got the big stadium you've got the international fan base you've got the fire and everything like that but Again, like you said, it's it's a little bit of a philosophical problem there compared to where the Pac-12 might want to go um, because they're going to want just state schools. They don't want private schools. You want big alumni bases, big state schools. And for BYU, for right now, yeah, if you could find a way to make it, uh, get the Pac-12 in there as much as possible, that'd be great. But at the same time, if you're BYU – also kind of nice to be able to schedule anybody you want so that's a little bit that's that's the big positive about being an independent there you go that was from dj and pk when i hear people talk about what they were getting at there with byu and the pac-12 i always go back to when i was working in that market down there in la and i talked to a number of the athletic directors and they all wanted to schedule byu they all wanted BYU in the conference. But you heard PK bring up some of the politics and some of the other things that are involved in that. But uh, what do you make of some sort of scheduling agreement between BYU and the Pac-12? Do you think that's 
a useful thing for both sides? Um, hmm, interesting. I, I think it's useful for both sides, just how much so. And what is the I mean, philosophy? B, I mean, BYU's not Notre Dame. I mean, well, well, let me ask you this. What does the Pac-12 gain from doing it? Uh, probably more fans. Um, well, let me say, let me say this. Are we talking like a home and home thing? Cause I don't think the PAC 12 would consider that. I don't know. I don't, and know I don't think BYU would do a regular thing where they're getting two to one road games. So I, I mean, I, BYU would do it. Absolutely. They'd be foolish not to, but I, I don't know what the PAC 12, um, I don't know what the PAC 12 would necessarily gain. Cause I think they can schedule BYU pretty much whenever yeah, they want. This now. is already happening yeah. to some extent. So I don't I mean, know why they would make it into a, a more formal relationship. Yeah. And because of the politics, I think that that makes the formal relationship much less likely. So if I'm BYU, I, I just, you know, go, go the course, schedule as yeah. many of those PAC 12 teams as you possibly can, which, which they're doing, right? I mean, they've had a number of PAC 12, a bunch of them on the horizon. Yeah, well, last year's schedule, how many were supposed to be on? Three? Was it Yes, three Utah. Four? We'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Utah, Arizona. and Oh, oh no, they were going to play Stanford at the end of the year, right? I think so. So I think yeah. uh, Stanford was one of those teams, and maybe Washington. We'd have to go back and look. Yeah. I, I should remember because it wasn't that long ago, but it's, it was so disappointing that they wadded up that schedule and threw it into the trash. That's really <laughs> – still, it, it really is too bad. Yeah. I, I honestly wish – that the Pac-12 uh, would get over it and include BYU as a full member of the league. I think BYU, for the reasons that uh, that uh, DJ and PK's guest laid out there, they bring a lot of value to the table, but it's just not quite enough value to make them worth an equal share of the pie. And then there's all that other political stuff. But, I mean, if, if I were living in the 100-acre wood, I would love for the Pac-12 to open it up to a couple more schools and one of those be BYU. But I don't think it's going to happen. Well, speaking of the schedule, next year, or this coming year, BYU is scheduled to play Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, Washington State, and USC. I mean... They're already scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's almost uh, that's almost a, a Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, they're already doing it. And in the meantime, uh, BYU can throw in Virginia and Baylor, and um, those are the the bigger names. Uh, they have South Florida again, and uh, and Boise State. The so, the biggest I mean, difference between BYU and Notre Dame when it comes to these you know types of arrangements is that Notre Dame is independent because they want to be. BYU is independent because they have to be. I guess that's one way of looking at it. On a, on a P5 level. Now, yes. I, I still wish BYU would go back to the Mountain West. I know that's not a universally approved of opinion, but it is mine. But when it comes to, you know, well, why don't they have a relationship with the Pac-12? Because the Pac-12 wouldn't benefit. They don't want BYU. Well, they don't want them bad enough to overcome the political stuff. Yes, I don't disagree with that. So whereas with the, the with Notre Dame, I mean, the ACC would do anything to get the well, Irish as a permanent member of their, their conference. Right. But that's not the case, unfortunately, with BYU. Right, right. Well, 
you're comparing any individual program to Notre Dame. Good luck. Yeah, and, and it, good for them. Built an advantage for them, and they have that. You know, BYU has their ESPN TV deal. Notre Dame is on uh, broadcast national television on NBC every week. Why does a deal with the ACC work for Notre Dame? Do, do they get a full share? Uh, what do you mean a full a full uh, share uh, of um, the ACC revenue? Uh, yeah, no, because that would be that would be double, double dipping in a big way because they have their own network deal. No, right? I think uh, well, network deals are when conferences are all uh, based on home games. Mm. So I would guess the ACC keeps their home games revenue and Notre Dame keeps theirs. I mean, I'd have to go in and look to, yeah, to, I don't, to I, I don't, make it yeah, But, but well, the advantage is, is that Notre Dame has built-in opponents that they don't have to scramble to get uh, every single year. Notre Dame calls up and says, hey, we'd like to schedule a game with you. Uh, can you rearrange a few things? Yes, we can. Well, I mean, the ACC is re- uh, reimagining the entire like concept of their conference for Notre Dame. Yeah. And, and that's not out of the goodness of anybody's heart. That's because everybody's self-interested yeah. in Well, and Notre Dame cash. also has to find a place to park its other teams. And the ACC, you know, as far as the basketball league, obviously, I mean, that's a, that's a good place to, to park the rest of your – and in that sense, they do get some conference money from ACC. But yeah. as far as football goes, I bet you it's about the home games. Yeah, people, I hear people say the Pac-12 doesn't want a private school or church school. Notre calls up and said we'd like to join your conference welcome aboard or if texas says you have to take baylor but we'll come too yeah they're gonna do that too yeah exactly there's there's a there's a price something some people are some institutions are more equal than others well i mean i i i think nor well right then probably uh, I'm trying to put this delicately because I don't want it to necessarily be controversial, but I think uh, BYU faces a steeper road than others to get into the Pac-12. I would agree with that. Even though, as I said, back when back in the 80s, when I was talking to athletic directors there, they were all eager. They would have liked to have BYU in, but they are more concerned about the sports angle. Than well, yeah, of the course, they, they see the, the – um, Revenue come in from the tickets, of course, of course, because, uh, you know, there are a lot of BYU fans in in California specifically, but really all over the country. I mean, there's, of course, athletic directors. You're telling me at that uh, that uh, at the Rose Bowl. Where UCLA fans feel uh, fill maybe what half of it No, it's pr- on uh, a regular it's, basis it's, it's more than that, I think. when they look at the receipts when BYU comes to town, they go, oh, well, that's nice. That was unexpected. <laughs> Hello. I still remember a story. I think Tom Holmo tells about uh, when BYU played SC and there were a bunch of uh, Cougar fans uh, in the stands at the Coliseum. And uh, and uh, was, it, was it Mike Garrett? Who was it? I'm sorry. I forget who the AD was. But he said to Tom, he said, man, your fans travel well coming from Provo. And, and Tom said, those people you see in the stands waving the blue and white, they're your neighbors. They're not traveling from Utah. No, they're they're right here. <laughs> yeah, they live there. And it's, it's, it's definitely true. All right. 
live here at RGS Exteriors and Construction. Jumping on the microphone now, he's our good friend, Tim. What's going on, Tim? It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys again. Glad to have you here. How's life? Still busy? Still busy. I saw I was a little late. Oh, you're supporting our local home builder association. I have the opportunity to sit on the board of directors there, and we had a golf tournament Sweet. down today. So swung how, the sticks a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're on the board of directors? I mean, uh, yeah. how did you, you become such a big shot? I, I don't know about a big shot. I just, I'm just i the sucker that keeps volunteering <laughs> to do all this stuff. <laughs> I actually sit on both the Salt Lake board and the state board, so it's kind of I have a good oh. opportunity. To, it's really good. We, we could do a lot of good things here in the home builder association here in Salt Lake, so it's awesome. And if it gives you an excuse to duck out and play a little golf, yeah, that's not the worst thing in the world. I love <laughs> golf, and uh, of course we played terrible, but hey. Here I am trying to give you all this credit for all your, you know, all the all the good things you're doing, and Jake's over there going, "Yeah, you get to play golf." Pretty sweet. It's a hey. good gig if you can get it, Gordon. I'll, ta- I'll take it both ways. Yeah. It, look, it's always nice, no matter how bad you play. It's always nice to be out the first time this year, and it showed. But loved it. Yeah. It was good. But but no, we're glad to have you guys here today. Well, let's let's talk about what you can do for our listeners, which is uh, which is a lot. But let's let's start uh, let's start here. Let's start with James Harden. Let's start with your you know kind of relationship with him. And we we talked to Greg earlier about how popular that is right now, and that's. That's right up your alley. It is. You know, we, we talked to, you guys talked a little bit earlier, too, just about how hot the market is right now and how crazy things are. And again, being back on the board, one of our meetings we had yesterday is just uh, the average home, by the way, for sale in Utah, four days right now. Wow. Wow. Days. That That's is how. something. So, you know, and, and why, do we, why do I bring that up as we're talking about siding today? Well, the reality of it is, is, is homes are so expensive now and you can't replace them. You could go ahead and sell it for a ton, but then you've got to replace it for just as much. And so... What we're finding is more and more people are wanting to stay where they're at. They like maybe the church they go to, the neighborhood they live in, their friends, whatever it is. They want to stay where they're at. And they want to just put money into their home and make it their dream home. They want to make the outside look nice. They have that great curb appeal, do something on the inside, whatever it is. And so we're seeing that that Hardy is being installed more and more every day right now, especially with the cost of materials, especially with the cost of all of these things. Uh, it just makes sense to remodel your home and stay. How, how is the product pipeline these days? Is that clearing up a little? Uh, it depends on the product. It is insane. I, I just, it is. A sheet of OSB plywood, by the way, this time last year was about eight or nine bucks a foot. Uh, $51 right now. Oh, man. It's yeah, insane. That is brutal. Fortunately, we don't deal with a lot of it, so it's not affecting us or not. But but our Hardy product's fine. We haven't had any issues on our pipeline with that. But stucco right now, we've probably got 10 or 15 homes that are just sitting um, with a brown coat on that we haven't colored yet because there is no color in the state of Utah. Wow. Right now. Do you no imagine records. this to uh, to clear up? I, we hope so. I, the reality of it is, is it will, right? It's just that there's such a hot demand right now, and and things are, are things are humming, so people want want to do it, and so I think it'll clear up. I think the biggest thing uh, that we do as a company that maybe uh, separates us from everybody else is when you have pandemics like this or problems like this, is that the way we communicate. We have a full office staff here. Um, you guys have met a few of them as, as they've come up and down, but you know we have four or five people answering the phones all day every day. So you're constantly being communicated with as a homeowner. You, you don't have to guess. You don't have to go. Well, when's the product going to show up? We're letting you know. It may not be as quick as it used to be. You know, a home used to be two weeks later after you signed the deal, we're there doing the home. And unfortunately, those days are past and probably forever, frankly, with, with the way the supply chain is. But, but what we can do as a, home, as, as a company is uh, make the experience good, communicate, constantly let you know what's going on. And if we can do that, then we've done our job. Do you think that uh, the improvement, the exterior improvement is uh, 
is well worth the investment considering the direction the prices are going? That's a great question, Gordon. Actually, believe it or not, uh, Qualified Remodeler does a great magazine that that every year they do the – basically, if you put X in your home, what are you going to get back? Um, And kitchens were always number one for years and years and years. Last year, believe it or not, James Hardy Exteriors passed that. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, if you put in product in your home that you're going to get back, um, was that was James Hardy signing? So, so yes, to answer your question is yes, you're going to get it back, and you're going to get it back probably tenfold. Um, people want modern look at homes today. They want they want to look something different, and you know Utah's very driving this neighborhood. Oh, that was built in the '70s. This one was built in the '80s. This was I mean you know just by driving through the neighborhood, right? Well, what we're why doing the new Hardy on it? You're updating it now. You you don't know. You know, was this home built in in 2000 or was it built in 1940? Who knows? Hmm. Um, but if we can put on some James Hardy and, and update it, it looks really nice and, and really just update the home very quickly. All right, jump on it. Here's the number to call. I'm mentioning the the communication 801-280-3110. 801-280-3110. You can also go online uh, rgsutahsiding.com and uh, and take advantage of it. Invest in your home. Well, I like the honesty too. You know, you give people what what the time frame is going to be, so they can plan on that. You look at the, the last thing I don't want to do is is overpromise and underdeliver. We we want to do the opposite. And look, we'll be honest with you; it might take us twelve weeks to do your project. It might, but we're going to tell you. Yep. And it just depends on what it is. So yeah, well, just give us a call. Let us come out. Let's let's see what we can do for you. Thanks, Tim. You're the man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, this is your Jazz at 30 update presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. The Jazz have the top seed in the Western Conference going into the playoffs. We do not know yet who their opponent is going to be, but Rudy Gobert talked about his confidence in his teammate Jordan Clarkson. And it's going to be very important, him coming in every single night. with uh, Obviously, it's, it's aggressiveness, you know, and uh, it's craziness. You know, I think in the playoffs, it's going to be huge. And, uh, and obviously, you know, just all of us being able to have that toughness, that tough mentality, and uh, just bring something that, you know, just bring a spark, you know, and we know how important it is to have that guy, you know, during the playoffs, to have somebody that comes in and can impact the game uh, in a big way. We know the best teams usually are the teams that are, the teams that win it all are usually the teams that have a, a really good bench. Whether it's Jordan or even Joe, you know, those two guys, they've been amazing. And when we have a few injuries, uh, they were able to start and give us something that, you know, makes us, I think, the best team in the league right now. The Western Conference play-in games are tonight. Uh, the start off at 5.30 with the Grizzlies hosting the Spurs. At 8 o'clock, the Lakers will host the Warriors. The winner of that game will be the seventh seed. The loser of that game will face the winner of the Spurs and Grizzlies on Friday. The winner of that game will face the Utah Jazz on Sunday. This bottom of the hour Jazz update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. Now here we go. The regular season is over, and the top-seeded Utah Jazz are set to make their NBA playoff run. Hear every second of every moment of Jazz playoff basketball right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Lonely 
Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo's not fe- feeling Whitesnake today. <laughs> this is improving my day. Are you kidding? This is all your fault. I, was, I wish I were in my jeans with holes ripped in them. Wearing some sort of, uh, like, uh, I don't know, leather vest and nothing else. <laughs> I never miss having hair until songs like this are on. Or you just want a headbang? Yeah, just want to shake my hair back and forth. You know? Yeah. I, Did I you have it. the long locks back in the day, Austin? I did grow it out in high school, uh, but it was I had curly hair, so it kind of just kind of went up and out rather up than. And out. Uh, yeah. Well, that's wait, perfect, wait. Austin. That's you perfect. had you had curly hair. Really, really curly hair, which I didn't Ow. know about until I grew it out. It was straight until I grew it out. See, I, I I've never known Austin when he has uh, had hair. He's always been, uh, <laughs> you know, cleanly shaven bald uh when i've known him and i don't know what i pictured him looking like with hair but i did not picture curly i will have that's to a, send a, you a that picture. is a curveball let's see that added that added just the right touch for the whole 1980s uh band look uh absolutely you should were you ever in a band austin of course what band what, what was the name uh the oh what did we call it, it was something really dumb oh the gaddy enton rockers oh geez. Gaddy Anton? It's a Book what? of Mormon name. Yeah, it's a Mormon oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were they, uh, is it like, uh, I didn't know rock and roll was in, included in the Book of Mormon. They're filled with Led Zeppelin type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can't write the, the history Ga- of rock without the Book of Mormon. The Gaddy Anton rockers. <laughs> That's really stupid. Oh, my gosh. Were you any good? No. Were you a, were you the singer? Or I was the drummer, baby. <laughs> you're a good drummer. You're a gifted drummer. Didn't say that, but I was the drummer. Oh, but I bet uh, I bet Austin hit the heck out of that drum. I bet he was like John Bonham. Oh, I yeah. bet he just <laughs> just let it all out on that drum. Very very. I went through many uh, a snare head. Yeah, I hit it a little too hard. Did you uh, Did you sing too? Uh, yeah, but I didn't have the microphone by me, but I was singing. See, yeah, but that's a waste of a good singer. No one cares about this, do they? Oh. Why would anyone that, possibly that, care about you, this? You were in a band? And Yeah, that I had hair once. I was in a band that I was the drummer. The hair thing is, is, is really something. I'll <laughs> send you a picture. It, it's, it's blowing my mind, uh, currently blowing my mind. Were you writing music or were you just doing cover? No, mostly cover, yeah. My my best friend Brent is a amazingly self-taught gifted guitarist. He would be he's too humble to admit, but he's seriously one of the best guitarists I've ever seen play. And he would write songs, but he wouldn't write them. He would just make them up, and they were amazing. And then he couldn't do it again. So we always just recorded them. What was it? What What did you close with? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sweetness by Jimmy Eat World. Okay, all right. Bring down the house a couple times. Oh yeah, yeah. What were what many were uh, many a uh, church youth gathering was? I was, was going to say what at. was predominantly. What was your go to? What were your gigs? Oh, I don't know that we had more than two gigs. Okay. Uh, but we did mostly lady, just hung did out the, and played. Did the young ladies always like the drummer. Um, in the other bands. <laughs> now the what is the 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 young ladies never like the drummer. I, well, yeah, but it, when the it's drummer, always the the no. front man followed by the guitar player. <laughs> See, jo- guitar Johnny player. Johnny Lightfoot has a joke that he says, "Who who uh, who likes to hang out with rock and roll people? Drummers. They're not really part of the band, in his opinion. So he's he's out. I 
Look, I, almost every concert you go to, at one point, the drummer has uh, a, a moment in the spotlight, and everybody always loves it. Or is that the time that they pick to go to the bathroom? <laughs> uh, here comes the drum solo. All right. Better Drinks go. on me. I'll be back. I, I was told that all the music hangs on the beat of the drum. And I was told that by a drummer. So, well, I think the percussion is very important. But, uh, you know, it's like the offensive lineman. Does the offensive lineman get the girl? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, or at least it's not um, the most sought after. Let me put it that way. I read an article once about uh, what was Eddie Van Halen's brother's name? He was a drummer, wasn't he? Seth. Dwayne Van Halen. Yeah. What was it? Dwayne. It was not. <laughs> it, was, it was a drummer. Oh, it was uh, it was Bernard Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. You're, you're making my head hurt. Oh, Bernie Van Halen. <laughs> Bernie Van Halen. Austin, Google that. Well, yeah, I no. don't know what his name was. He was in the band. He said he always got the ladies. I read that in Rolling Stone. It must be true. Francis Van Halen. <laughs> so, what was his name? Oh, I'm going to look that up. I've always Googled. Glenn Van Halen. <laughs> no, you, nope. Nope, you haven't got it. Let's see. <laughs> Toby. <laughs> Toby Van Halen. Uh, Alex? I think it was Alex. Alex Van Halen? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I've always Googled. I'm telling you. Alex Van Halen, his younger brother. Yep, he was in the band when uh, when Van Halen was formed in 1972. <laughs> Going down memory lane here. Gordon's uh, Fun Facts. Fun Facts with Gordon. Bernie Van Halen could really whack that drum. Alex. The, the, uh, I think Bernie's their third uh, is the third lesser known brother. I believe he was some sort of uh, uh, roadie. Wasn't he a mechanic? <laughs> Bernie Van Halen. Says, All right. Says here that he was best known for being the drummer and co-founder of uh, Van Halen. I mean, nepotism is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Good segment, boys. You know what uh, Van Halen's name was initially? Eddie and uh, and the Hilltoppers. <laughs> no, they were called Mammoth. The more you know. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, we've got a market update coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. <laughs> Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from RGS Exteriors and Construction. Uh, let's get a uh, market update brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com today. Gordon, how did the markets do? The markets were down today, but it, uh, yeah, it's a substantial number in the Dow, but the NASDAQ and the S&P were down just a bit. The Dow was off 164 points. Come on! NASDAQ uh, off uh, almost four points. Come on. And the S&P off 12 points. 
Oh, come on! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, all right. Well, not that positive. Hopefully tomorrow will be better. Yes, indeed. How's, uh, you got to call your money guy? You're going to be all right? A couple of down days in a row. Uh, No. No, I'm not going to. The kids will still get an, uh, an inheritance? Uh, well, look, I I don't want to get into specifics, but I'm more a long-range investor rather, rather than playing all these games that everybody plays. You're not uh, riding the Dogecoin train these days. No, That's not no. doing that thing. Although, I guess a lot of people made some money there, didn't they? No, they didn't. They lost money. Probably some people made some money, but probably most people lost money. Isn't that usually how it goes? Probably the people you wouldn't want to make money made more made money. Made money, yeah. Didn't right. I see Scotty made? Uh, he sent out a tweet saying that his kids think that uh, they're million, they're billionaires now or something. Was that today's tweet? I thought that's what I read. Oh, I thought his t- tweet today was to update that it was going the wrong way. But. Oh well, I I thought he said maybe this was an old tweet, but he said something on the lines of. He's not getting a new yacht. He's uh, just going to be able to take his kids to Disneyland for a day, <laughs> for a day. <laughs> which is which is a, a hefty sum. You know, we've talked about that before. You know, you only have to. You know, he so that take. was that was uh, May fourth that Scotty sent that one out, and then today he quote tweeted it with, "So yeah, about that." Dot dot dot. <laughs> okay. Uh be careful out there, you know. Money doesn't grow on trees. No, it does not. All right, we're here at RGS Exteriors and Construction Bowler is going to join the show. Uh, coming up next, stay tuned for that. Bob Casper at 430, and then our friend Keith Smith at 5. But our buddy Tim is jumping on uh, with us from RGS Exteriors and Construction. What's up, Tim? Oh, we're just living the dream. We're getting a little rained right now. It's kind of we need some moisture, so that's good. That is good. Well, yeah. hey, good excuse. Uh, let's talk about gutters. You know what's so amazing? You get a rainstorm and the phone's just <laughs> right off the hook the next day or that that afternoon. You bet. So yeah, it's the, yeah, this is it's going to be interesting this year. We've kind of been dry, right? And so some of those calls are few and far between until it rains and it just floods. So you know, it's always good to be proactive. Go check it out. Let us come and look at it. If it's your gutters, maybe you've got a lot of debris in your gutters right now. Maybe you've got some ice damage from the from the previous winter. We're happy to help it out any way we can. You know, uh, the the thing I am strongly considering is the cover on the on the gutters. So you don't have to worry about cleaning that, that yeah, I as know. much as we all like fishing stuff out of our gutter. Do you guys I, do that? We do. In fact, uh, I know someone's gutters in this room that were full of debris that I had to clean out so that they were functioning. I won't say whose those were, but. Johnny? <laughs> no, it wasn't it, Johnny. It was, oh! another, it was another J word. <laughs> Jay! But, uh, but no, like, joking aside, the, the gutter covers, the, the problem with covers is you've got to either spend the money and do a good high-quality one or not at all. Um, a lot of the ones you see on TV or at Costco or one of those kind of things just make them worse because they're not designed to handle the snow and ice weight that we have here in Utah. And so you've got to really have a good, high-quality product and have it installed correctly. And if you do, they work fabulous. Um, in fact, the covers that we have have a lifetime guarantee that your gutters will never plug or clock. But you've got to do it right, and you've got to look at them and, and see what's going to work and how it's going to work and, and so that you don't have to mess with it. All right. So uh, is gutters, of course, uh, pretty much anything on the exterior of the home, you guys are doing it. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, we've talked about the James Hardy siding before earlier today, but soffit and fascia, gutters, stucco, stone, really just anything on the outside. We want to make the home look good and, and up to date, and that's what we're here for. 
What if uh, the look I was going for was Haunted Mansion on the outside of of my house? Could could we get to Haunted Mansion? We'll we'll figure it out. (laughs) Got any any fake ivy you can hang on? Fake ivy, maybe. Maybe we can paint it or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll paint some leaves on your walls. I don't know. (laughs) I'll tell you what, real ivy. Uh, Never do that. I had to get a long story, but... battled real ivy and it's not that stuff grows is on is brutal insane how much and how quick that stuff don't grows. rats like to live in that all sorts of things like to live in that <laughs> yeah it's it, it's not the direction that i would go no that's not what we want to do to update your home right that's the old <laughs> no, school that, stuff yeah no no no. You know, no thought, opposite of that yeah for that want, ivy make, look. yeah yeah that's the old school stuff we want to make your home look new not not old <laughs> no i'd much rather have haunted mansion than ivy <laughs> much much better no you know that's funny though i actually saw something this morning that one of the things that people are doing now uh it's really popular is the farmhouse look right but you know going back that's old right it's when you know when our grandparents and parents were you know lived on the farm way back in the day that the small you know square simple white and black homes it's it's by far the most popular look right now as far as colors is black and white have you ever had uh somebody ask you to do something and you just thought you know but they really want it yes <laughs> so you just do what you're told no huh? i mean yes and no look here's the thing ultimately the customer's right right we're going to do whatever the customer wants but i think that one thing that we'll do is we'll talk with them um and we're not going to try to push them one way or the other we just want to go pros and cons like what, what why are you wanting this what are you get, trying to get after a lot of times the customers they just don't maybe don't quite understand or, or how to communicate exactly what they want so just sitting down having a conversation with them and going over it with them we can really figure out exactly what they want and then and then do it and if it is not something that maybe we would want you know we've done we've done some man some funky colored siding before sometimes i just scratch my head and go ooh but then sometimes some of the funky stuff turns out awesome so you know just kind of to each is their own but but we're happy to help any way we can all right, here's the number to call, 801-280-3110, 801-280-3110, or simply go online, rgsutahsiding.com. Tim, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. I think, I think Jake wants lime green. Lime green? Lime green, yeah. How about purple? Ooh, so, like sign me up like uh, what uh, Prince did to Carlos Boozer's house. Remember that? <laughs> oh, I do. Love it. Uh, all right, more next. Bowler joins us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.